Finally, America has the rail system infrastructure it deserves. Hop on board the all-new Amtrak. $3 trillion of taxpayer investment is about to pay off for hundreds of commuters. New York to Washington, D.C., America's 51st state, on the high-speed Acela train. Arrive 18 minutes earlier than if you'd taken the regular train, and only three and a half hours later than scheduled. Say goodbye to red-eye flights and hello to the Big Apple Express. Book your own private cabin and arrive fully rested and refreshed after a scenic 31-day jaunt from Los Angeles to New York. Restaurant service coming 2024. Puerto Rico, America's 52nd state. Available by direct flight on Amtrak Air, the world's first train-themed airline. Built from the ground up with tax dollars. Flight starting at 4000 Bathroom service 2026. There's no better way to travel than a government-subsidized entity that answers to no one at your expense. All aboard Amtrak. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the conductor. That was the Japanese train lapping us. Please do not be alarmed. You are listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Yes, hello, your computer is sending a virus into the internet. I am from Microsoft Security. My name is Charles. Oh, hi. Hi, Charles. Hi. Um, Thank you so much for um, uh, taking my call. Absolutely. We call you, you call us back. Not not a problem. I did. It's funny. I I didn't recognize. um, There were a bunch of numbers at the front of your phone number that I didn't recognize, Charles. We have a lot of numbers. We do, yes. Okay, so what, what? It's funny. I didn't recognize that as um as uh, an area code in in the country. I know a lot of area codes. Where what where are you lo- based? Well, it's a global area code, and as you can tell from my accent, it's fairly ambiguous, so as not to pinpoint exactly where I'm from. That's where the people who have a problem with you doing accents will not be able to know where I'm from, and it is a good thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely a good thing. I, I heard some Indian and then some Russian and then, yeah, Borat, I think, for a moment. That so was neat. Good. Yes, you know, it's a, okay, you can do it. You can do an accent that is ambiguous and that way you will not uh, be able to upsetting the people. They don't know where you are making fun of or, or just making an accent of. And so there's nothing they can really do about it in the pursuit of social justice. Well, that is a good feature uh, from from Bill Gates, uh, who actually I'm going to I'm doing a podcast later. I'm going to talk about Bill Gates later in the show. What? Um, uh, so t- so tell me, I, I got your message saying that my uh, computer has been compromised. Uh, can you please tell me what's happened and what you can do to help? Yes, you have a, a very big problem with your computer. You have a, a over 500 viruses on your computer and, and they're sending it into, of course, viruses multiply, as you know, from COVID, especially in my home country where they are dropping like flies. And well, I would like you to to remove these viruses and I am currently, of course, able to help you drifting into Russian a bit, but uh, maybe I'm from, I don't know, maybe I'm, I, who is to know where I am from? You know, <laughs> the, the, I am, my name is Charles. I am here to help you. 
and uh, and uh, this is good thing. I need six thousand dollars. You need six thousand dollars just well, oh geez, I'll just buy like three new computers for that sort of money. I don't need six thousand dollars just to clear these five hundred uh, viruses up. Well, I don't want to you to um to miss your computer so much. You'll be very sad when it is gone. Well, it's not a member of my family. Uh, I mean, I'll just log out of my Gmail account and just buy a new one. Okay, we can fix it for maybe $3,000. Okay, cool. I mean, I appreciate you negotiating with me. I don't know if that's um, a standard practice in whatever country you're in, but um, that still is more than the cost of a high-end new computer. So I'm not going to pay $3,000 for that. I'm sorry. Well, what what kind of price would you be willing to pay for your computer be, to be fixed from the internet? Uh, like probably like 5 to $6. Let me tell you uh, something. You've comp- I just In the time we have been talking, your computer produced 17 new viruses that it is sending out into the internet. And I want to help you. Okay, well, I don't mind if my computer is a source of viruses. That's not a concern of mine. If I, I don't care. I'm sorry. Let me tell you what you have to do. You will have to go to the Walgreens and or any other pharmacy, right? Ed? CVS, it doesn't matter. You go to the pharmacy, you get uh, gift cards. We would like to have gift cards from you that you can use to pay for the fixing of your computer on the internet. Okay, well, I, someone gifted me an Outback Steakhouse gift card. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I don't have an Outback Steakhouse around here, do I? I, I don't know. Well, you're I don't. Very mysterious. I don't have an Outback Steakhouse here. You will not send me an Outback Steakhouse gift card. I will need something from perhaps Walmart or Amazon.com would be quite good or Vanilla, which is good as cash. Okay, I guess I can go to Walgreens and get you a 5 or $6 gift card. Yes, to- this would be very yeah. good for you to do. You do this, you get the gift card, and then you give us the pin codes, and this way we can help process your computer, which is sending viruses into the internet. Okay. Are you, it feels like now you're a Bond villain, which makes me not trust in you. Oh, no, you should trust me very much. I am I'm certainly trustable. I am uh, Charles, and I'm here to help you. I work for Microsoft Security. I oh, okay, all right. I, let's let's do a little test. I, and I, I'm I'm really glad that your your accents slip into so many different things. So you know uh, the cultural appropriation emails we get will be confused. Passive, passive. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. So uh, okay, if you're um, uh, just a normal uh, Charles American who works for Microsoft, yes. Tell me, tell me then, um, what is your favorite TV show on America in America right now? Baseball. <laughs> Baseball is your favorite TV show. Okay, that's excellent. Yes, Yes, I love it. Who is your favorite um, uh, 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 music act of the day? Shukruti Panguna. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he or she is new. I haven't been listening to pop. Well, Top 40. this is the thing, you know, everybody has their own favorite musical niches now because you, there are no gatekeepers anymore. So you can get music anywhere you want. And I like Shukruti. She's quite good. Wow. That's, a sexy that's a very lady. logical thing to say. Okay. All right. I guess you warped your way out of that trap. Um, okay. Then finally, what, what's your favorite uh, food to go? When you go out to eat with your family, what's your go-to order on uh, the menu here in America? Of course. 
apple pie and hamburgers and bachalach. <laughs> okay, my credit card is 3772. Got it. Hey, Brian. Hi, Jack. So, you know, I hate to bring up some sad news to sort of lead off the podcast. Oh, but no. I'm, no, it's, it's okay. I'm already tearing up and I don't even know what you're going to say. Well, Jack, I'm very emotional now. And I know, I know. And you, you, I, you fly off the handle when you get emotional. This is not going to go well. I've got the Irish emotional temper. Oh, good. Good. Well, I, there's, thank you. There's a, a region that we hadn't insulted yet in the podcast in our first eight minutes. So there, thank you. That was 170 something countries. We got time. <laughs> I'm looking so, at you, Bill, Molly. Oh my God. See, now you're getting so angry. Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced. What? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, but Bill and Melinda Gates announced just, uh, you know, perhaps yesterday that they are getting a divorce. They're, you know, they've been married for 27 years now. Aww. What yeah. happened? Do they have a reason? No, they're just, um, look, Brian, they ask that you respect their privacy. So I it kind of uh, makes me angry that you would ask that. Well, you know, Microsoft has always respected my privacy, so I don't see why <laughs> I wouldn't respect theirs. <laughs> yeah. Boom. That's how we do it on this show. That's right. Um, great point. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, I think we should probably, um, not respect their privacy a little bit more. You're a, a relationship expert, right? You, uh, you're like a dating coach, that sort of thing. Yes. I, and uh, one of my many hats, I have been a relationship coach. I have been a life coach. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's no barrier to entries. So I became one very rapidly. And, uh, and in the same way, I'm a relationship coach. I, um, I like to guide, I like people to be happy and have relationships. And, and, and so, yeah, it's something I I've been very passionate about my whole life. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Who, and who was the last relationship? You said you had like a, this, a celebrity relationship was you were a coach for the last time. Who was it again? OJ Simpson <laughs> comes to mind. Um, uh, gosh, that I it, present day or back in the day, back in the day, you know, it, it, it looks so, it looked like they were back to being a loving couple. Okay. And, and then that, and you entered the picture and then what happened? You know, well, no, I, I worked with them and, um, they, there's clearly some trouble and strife in the relationship. I mean, he had a tendency of wandering and, uh, she, you know, was, was looking to be loved and, uh, but I worked with them, I guided them and, uh, I was under the impression that they were reunited and, and on what, what I'd call the happy path. And so mm -hmm. I, I terminated our, our professional relationship. I gave him a ceremonial knife and... <laughs> That's the last I saw of him. What what does the knife symbolize? I, I sometimes I'm not great with um, symbolism. I, I only went to like a to a, a public high school. Well, uh, I always when I end my relationship with my clients, I I give them a ceremonial knife. It's it, it's the it's about separation. It's about cutting through the hard things. It's about you know cleaving a new way, a new path through the jungle, as it were. I mean, you can use oh. it for other things, obviously, and I I didn't see that. I didn't anticipate that. And that's why I mm -hmm. no longer give away ceremonial knives. <laughs> I was thinking, so as a life coach, you know, and, and it, you know, has Bill Gates reached out to you yet? Uh, you know, I have seen messages that somebody from Windows has been calling me, mm -hmm. but I have yeah, not. I've, I've, I've dealt with one of those recently, really? so be careful. And it's, they're fairly relentless. I have not uh, gotten a chance to talk to him, but I certainly would be willing to, to, 
to work with him, obviously. And it's not about all the money. Mm-hmm. It's not about fleecing somebody who's got a ton of cash. It's not about that. It's about me wanting to help somebody who has given so much to the world, like Windows 95, which we had for how long? 15 years or so. <laughs> and um, I, he's somebody I, I'd, I'd be more than happy to help at my standard rate. Which is what? Uh, whatever you want to Venmo me. <laughs> right now, uh, his net worth is $129.9 billion. Yeah. A lot of money. A lot of cash. It seems like a lot. Yeah, exactly. I imagine he's, sure. he's got a nice car. Maybe a mm-hmm. fleet of them. Maybe he's like Jay Leno mm-hmm. and has his hundred cars. Yeah, cars. a whole hangar's worth in the Burbank. Cars, cars, cars. Who doesn't love cars? Uh, um, probably Paul Walker's family. Too soon. Sorry. Okay. So um, my thought then would be to uh, maybe just give him some um, advice. Okay. So he's going in the dating pool. Yep. That's your advice. But you know, what are some of the f- finer points of modern day dating? You know, if he's been married to, he's been together for 27 years. It's been a while. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, f- you kind of forget uh, how women operate. You know, when you, when you're used to it, you get into that, that routine. You know, you, 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 you kind of come to expect things and it's very different out there. The, being a single is, is much more different. And, uh, and, and I even just as an experiment, I asked my wife, I, I told her I wanted to live single for a week. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Only for research purposes. Sure. And so I, I got her and the kids, uh, I got them a nice trip uh, to Cleveland and, and I, <laughs> I spent the week in New York City uh, living life as a bachelor mm-hmm. and learning so that I could have relationship tips. Okay. And, and your wife consented to this? Well, that, that's um, a point of contrition and, you know, it, it's kind of an after the fact thing. And uh, it's really going to be up to the lawyers to work that out. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have my version of events and she has hers. It's, it's interesting that it's a work of contrition and not of contention. That's what I meant. Hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> there were no gatekeepers to this business. <laughs> yeah, clearly. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure contrition is on your mind a lot with your wife these yep. days. Well, g- good. Good luck with the lawyers. It sounds like Bill Gates is really reaching out to the right guy. Uh, yeah, and uh, well, you know, I'll tell you when you're out there looking to meet the ladies. Uh, eye contact is very okay. important. This is what this is what you learned in your time away from this your, is what I learned away from your marriage. Yes. Okay. So, you know, you, you, you walk into a bar and you're looking around. If you see somebody that you like, that you maybe would like to get to know more, there's an initial attraction there, which is purely physical Mm -hmm. because you can't see into her brain. Right. You don't know if she's a nice person, a dumb person, a smart person. Uh, You just all you, but you're going by physical looks. But when you see somebody who is attractive to you, uh, what, what it's, you do is you just kind of look and. It's better if you raise one eyebrow, mm-hmm. but you just want a sustained contact, sustained viewing. There you go. And just, you're looking and you're looking and you're looking. And if she looks back with you and she fixates for more than a few seconds, that means either that she's interested or you're completely freaking her out. Okay. So now you have to ascertain which one it is. Okay, great. How do you do that? This is great advice. You walk up. And you say, is there a problem? (laughs) 
Okay, that's that's the line. That's the first words you say to this woman that you find attractive. Yes. Okay. And so nine times out of 10, she's going to say no, whether or not there is a problem. Oh, okay. Why? Because you're standing there, you're holding a bar stool. <laughs> your eye is raised. <laughs> and you're asking if there's a problem. <laughs> she doesn't want a problem. She's not mm -hmm. sure where you're coming from. She doesn't know you. She doesn't know how good your brain is. Right, right. How, and your heart, I see. Where your heart is. Yeah. And so, but she's going to say no. And you're going to have to make sure that she, it's a committed no, or maybe it's an up in the air no. And you say, are you certain? <laughs> and then she's going to start maybe looking for management. Huh? And this is your chance to move. You put your stool down, you get on top of it, and you point to her and you say, she's the one for me, everybody. <laughs> she's oh the God. one for me. Drinks on the house. <laughs> so you don't buy the girl a drink, you buy the whole bar a drink? You do. But technically, what, no. Okay. Because what inevitably happens in all my experience is that the woman uses that opportunity to flee the bar, <laughs> at which point you want to profess your undying love. So mm -hmm. you go after them, which means that the bartender uh, has bought a round of drinks for everybody and you're not there to pay for it. In some right, ways, he's on the hook. He's on the hook. I'm kind of like a Johnny Appleseed of shots. <laughs> and, and I am trying to convince this woman that we have a future together. So now you're at the corner of some street. Okay. So then how do you, how do you display your A game in that moment and that location? Well, what you want to do is you want to show that you're vulnerable because mm. she might be scared of you. She might be intimidated. She still doesn't know where you come from. So what you do is you kind of stand in an X formation. You spread your legs apart. You place your arms up in the air like an X mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you just say, do it. <laughs> Meaning what? I'm sorry. Well, it depends on what they see in you. Uh, I'd say six times out of 10. Uh, you get a, a phenomenally well-placed kick in the groin, which is debilitating. Mm -hmm. And I almost got hit by a bus. But, and mm -hmm. I mean, the pain, like you couldn't believe. I saw, I created new religions. I was in such pain. <laughs> it was horrible. But there were four mm -hmm. times where they just kind of look at you and you've given them, you've shown them your weakness You've made yourself mm -hmm. vulnerable to them. They haven't taken advantage of it. So that, of course, is a sign that they like you. Oh, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Um, real quickly, what's one of the tenets of your, um, one of the religions you created? 10% uh, discount on flower bouquets. <laughs> <laughs> so more like a perk for, for your followers. It's more like a perk. It's more okay. like a value pack of coupons. Than a you know than a tenant, but it's a nice it's a nice perk. I mean, I'm always giving. You know, when the the basket comes around, I wouldn't mind getting a little uh, a financial relief from my church. Exactly. I, you know, I just let's talk after the show. Yeah, and you can confess by text. I, you know, this is really going to be this is really helpful. Let's yeah. okay, great. It, what percentage in your research do you find that the woman actually will go home with you and and begin a relationship? The closest I got was, was somebody who kind of, she started laughing and I thought I was kind of winning her over, but then I realized she was laughing at me. Oh. And because, uh, 
when she kicked me in the groin, my I had backed into a fire hydrant and ripped my pants open. <coughs> so relationships too, are hard. Yeah, they are. It's too bad you lost your marriage over um <laughs> over this incredible run of um of failure. I haven't lost it. I've I've damaged it. Okay. I, I've created a, a tremendous amount of stress and and tension on the home front. Uh, I you know, don't enjoy sleeping in the bathroom. I don't enjoy having dinner thrown at me when everybody else gets to eat at the table. <laughs> I don't enjoy being called scum lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I miss the photographs that were cut into pieces. <laughs> I miss my favorite tuxedo. What happened to your tuxedo? It was turned into a dog toy. Oh, God. I'm sorry. And we didn't even have a dog. <laughs> well, that's she's vindictive and she's wrong. That's right. I, I just call her Miss Petty. Yeah, no, that's good. How does that go over? It doesn't. It's just extended this, this misery for weeks. <laughs> okay, so you said nine out of ten times when you go up to her in that bar mm. and say, like, what's your problem? Got, Something like that. She's going to do, do you have a problem? Do you have a problem? Do you have a problem? And nine out of 10 times they say no. Now, I wouldn't, I, I think Bill would also be interested just to cover his bases. He's a, he's a forward thinking man. You know, a man like that has a plan for every possible outcome. What happens in those one out of 10 times when she says, yes, I do have a problem. Well, How do you handle those situations? Well, then you, you take your bar stool, you sit down, you say, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you'll, it's amazing what you can learn from people. If so, you just like listen to them and yeah. don't threaten them. Yeah. And this one girl, Mariana, uh, she had a, a, lot, a host of issues. She had irritable bowel syndrome. She had uh, what she called um, sweaters disease, which just makes you apparently sweat profusely. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking her, I was like, is it really warm in this bar? And she's like, she's like, no, it's me. I've got sweaters <laughs> disease. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, but you know, but I, I got to listen to her and then, uh, and she wanted to spend more time with me. Yeah. How'd that go? Not well, because she's a, a sweaty person <laughs> with irritable bowel syndrome. I really, that's not really what I want in my life. Yeah. It probably wasn't on your checklist for yeah. entering the bar. So I, I, I got up shortly afterwards and I took my bar stool and said, uh, my friend and I need to go. <laughs> How'd she handle that? Not well. I mean, she's, she's upstairs. <laughs> upstairs in, in your home? Yeah. So she did go home with you. She did. And she's still living with you? No wonder your wife is pissed. Oh yeah. She's, I mean, listen, I, I understand you bring somebody who's maybe not mentally all there home to your family. <laughs> a wife who's kind of a protector of the nest is going to take that negatively. Yeah. And while she, you know, may be possibly okay with me carousing about for a week, uh, trying to meet women and and perfect my relationship advice business, Mm -hmm. uh, she's definitely not cool with a woman who might be a gypsy, uh, who keeps (laughs) stealing uh, some of our silverware and a variety of objects and storing them uh, upstairs. And I, so yeah, that, that's a thing. That's an issue. Well, I hope the three of you really come out on this and have. Well, 
she's not a top. So, Bill Gates. Um, yeah. Did we go off on a tangent? No, that's not that's not what we do on this show. <laughs> hey, Brian, you're a huge uh, expert in the field of amusement parks, right? Oh, my God, yes. I love amusement parks. So, you must, uh, obviously, knowing amusement parks as well as you do, you must know that Disneyland has just reopened in California. Yes, I knew that. I mean, it, this is definitely a thing that you already know about, yep. you know, and that this is certainly not an improvised bit where you have no idea what's coming. Right. And I'm going to put you on the spot to say a bunch of things uh, that you don't have any clue where this will go. I know Disneyland opened. <laughs> Good. Perfect. And uh, so a, a story just came out yesterday. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, no, of course, you're going to know this one, that uh, cast members, which is what they call the people who work at Disney, the Disney employees, have been allowing guests in the reopened park to use a secret entrance into the haunted mansion. Yes. Isn't that great? Which is so cool. Yeah. Secret entrance into the haunted mansion. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so... Imagine. um, That's a dream. I mean, what child hasn't dreamt of a secret entrance to the haunted mansion? Exactly. I mean, it's, it really is cool that, you know, that's that's actually one of my favorite attractions and how cool that there is this actual secret entrance that they're now letting people in. And so it, it got me thinking there must be so many other secrets mm-hmm. around the park mm. that you could sort of let us in on and um, for, for, you know, eagle eyed, uh, you know, tourists to, to keep an eye out for. Yeah. At Disneyland. At Disneyland. Yeah. Yep. Would you like to do that now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's no, a I, ton of secrets at Disneyland. Oh my goodness. Okay, good. <clears throat> Should we start right at them? Um, you know, it became one of the biggest movie franchises in the world and certainly in Disney history, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. You said there's some really um, interesting and unique secrets to look out for when you're on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, so back in the day, uh, they they were, you know, they would pretend to shoot cannonballs at you. That's right. And so there'd be a plook, plook, uh, these, these cannonballs going off in the water near you as for kind of dramatic effect. Well, the machinery behind that is incredibly expensive oh. to make these fake cannonballs. And they were hemorrhaging money, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, except they, they really wanted to have the cannonball experience. And then one intrepid engineer thought, what if I hardwire the sewer system to the Pirates of the Caribbean? Okay. So what you're seeing is actually defecate falling from the ceiling in the dark and splashing into the water. And if you think about it, you know, the park is huge. You okay? Yeah, all right. The park is huge. There's an endless supply of defecate. Endless. Endless. And, and you know, and it's, it's plenty exciting. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so he did this... He couldn't think of another workaround or was this to save money because it's a renewable resource or like, wh- wh- why, why shoot poo at people <laughs> in the dark? It's part of the green new deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, that's what MSNBC doesn't want you to know. They don't want you to know. What they don't want you to know is that part of the green new deal involves throwing poo at people. 
and you, tourists well, you dro- and families. You're not throwing it at them. You're dropping it near them. Okay. In a very well-constructed maze of uh, sewage pipes. Potato, potato. Well, th- there's that too. It's anything that's <laughs> in the sewer system. <laughs> well, that's a big secret uh, from Disneyland. That's yep. a big one to start us off with. Yeah, huge. And if, if somebody in the system has irritable bowel, uh, it's going to be like you're under attack by a fleet of ships. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. A lot of pirates <laughs> firing of, on you that A lot night. of pirates firing on you. Yeah, okay. Man, it, it must it must get pretty stinky there in that boat ride pretty quickly. Well, they use, a, you know, to their credit, they use a ton of bleach. Okay. And you, you probably smell the chlorinated water when you get in there and, and you have all the signs, you know, everywhere saying this, you know, please stay in your boat because if you do go in the water, you are entering an active sewer system <laughs> and you will <laughs> succumb to some kind of disease. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort, sort of like eating the park food. Yep. Well, which winds up back in the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Renewable resource, baby. It's a, it's an, it's like the recycling circle. Yeah, it really is. All right. So here's another one. Um, <laughs> I just thought about that. Here's another one I wanted to ask you about. Um, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah. Super fun, yeah. A simple roller coaster, but um, you know, it, it gives the impression that you're sort of in these mine carts and uh, sort of you know zipping around these you know in the old west and these old you know hills. Um, super fun, uh, simple enough. Not the craziest roller coaster in the in the Six Flags era, but a lot of fun. Um, what is there to know about? Uh, what are the big secrets about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? Well, it's a, it's an ingenious system. So, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is actually on one of the world's largest deposits of uranium. <laughs> what? Yeah, and so what people don't realize is they are in an active mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, and they're they're and actually they're part of the mining process. So this train. Wow is actually what they do, uh, the miners, the uranium miners, sprinkle uh, <laughs> uranium on the the visitors, knowing <laughs> that the visitors are going to be back at the airport at some point going home. And TSA mm-hmm. will collect the uranium dust from them, un- unbeknownst to the, to the tourist. Okay. And so what they've done is they've created a way of extracting the uranium from the mine and getting it to the airport so that it can be shipped to our military bases. <laughs> And used in a, a variety of ammunition. So these are uranium <laughs> Disney guests. Yep. T- tell me if I'm getting this right. Disney guests are uranium mules, uh, unwitting uranium mules, who take flakes of uranium to the airport that are collected by the agents. Those people who are the mules might get in trouble. I don't know. But the uranium is taken, collected, stored, and then, um, since it's already at the airport, easily shipped to one of our military bases. Yep. It's that okay, simple. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't really have anything to say. That just, that seems like a win for everybody. Now, here's a, a, a iconic but annoying ride. What, what's the most annoying ride at Disneyland? Uh, Barry's Edsel Adventure. Yeah, we're, uh, gosh, it's been a while since I've been there. Remind me of that ride? It's just a funky looking car and you get in and it doesn't start. 
And you, you just, you can see like this long tunnel ahead of you and it looks like it's going to be amazing. And it just, the car never gets to a start. And then after eight minutes, the, the barriers open up and you get out and then they process the next group. That sounds awful. Yeah. Not popular. Yeah. No, not popular. Okay. Well, that, that would certainly be the worst that number two, the one I was thinking of is it, it's a small world. It's a small world after all. Yep. It really is. And all sorts of it's, you know, all those puppets singing that song on a loop and showing all sorts of different cultures and countries and all of the stuff as you just slowly, slowly go around in this boat. Um, again, I don't know what's in the water. It's a small world. But you said there are big surprises in It's a Small World. What should uh, we look out for for those of us who are planning to visit Disneyland? Well, uh, It's a Small World. is Yeah, it's, it gets a little, I guess what they were saying, the problem was it gets redundant. Yeah. And people just go, okay, I get it. It's a small world after all. And just this endless loop. So how can we make it different? Well, what if we have the UN? Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, in a way it's, you, we are in a big room. It's the United Nations. It's all the countries of the world represented. But what if we have the United Nations itself there to oversee? Uh, it's a small world after all. So what we do is the, the, you'll have United Nations puppets there and uh-huh. they'll be kind of overseeing and they'll watch, and then you see some of the puppets get into messy business, and maybe haul some others to be summarily executed in the <laughs> weeds, and and the and then you'll just see the uh, UN puppet just kind of turning its head left and right, <laughs> and left and right, and it doesn't do anything, right? And then you find yourself under shellfire. <laughs> well, of course, it's not really shellfire. Uh, what is it? It's the waste system again. <laughs> you'll have the Uyghurs um, and then you'll see the Chinese puppets show up and then take the mm-hmm. Uyghurs away. And then mm-hmm. the Chinese puppets come back and then say, we don't know what you're talking about. There were no Uyghurs. Ooh, it was deeply uh, accurate and complex. It got very... Uh, Got very political. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's actually now produced by the economist. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time these are like, uh, uh, sponsored by really generic, um, companies, you know, a a post cereal or something. Yeah. Now the economist magazine really wanted to have their say. So it's, it's a small violent world. Uh, last one, Peter Pan's flight. It's so simple. Um, it may be my favorite. It's just so colorful on that ride. You you, you take off in the little um, in the boat and um, in the pirate ship, and you sort of soar over London and you know on to Neverland and the, the Lost Boys and the Indians and all this stuff. Really cool. But there are lots of like little secrets hidden within the Peter Pan ride. Oh yeah. I haven't. I don't think I've seen any of them. What 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 are some of them that are there? Uh, well, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a camera in, inside of the Big Ben in the mall. Oh. And it's an upskirt camera. <laughs> and if you go to bigbenupskirt.com, you can get a, you can maybe get a glimpse of a, you know, an upskirt shot of, of a random tourist going over the Big Ben <laughs> in Peter Pan's ride. That's, that's, that's uh, horrible. Bigbenupskirt.com. <laughs> so you, you'd say wear, wear slacks to Disney? You should definitely, yeah, wear slacks or at least underpants at the very least. You don't, 
This camera is high. It's high, it's Disney. It's high definition. And based on the rules, when you walked by, as you entered the ride, they can do mm-hmm. whatever they want with the footage. Oh my God. Yeah. So a lot of it is actually in the Mandalorian. <laughs> Jack. Yes, Brian. We're trying to make some money for this podcast, right? Amen. That's right. So uh, we try to do sponsor bits. That doesn't always come through because you you tend to stumble every once in a while. You don't take it seriously. You're not as professional as I am. But there's another opportunity. There's another way to make money. And it's obituaries. There's big money in obituaries. How do you mean? There's big money in obituaries? People are very, they want their, their loved ones' memories to be uh, talked about and cherished. And, and they're willing to pay for that. So if you can read an obituary, get it out there and, and honor the loved one that's gone, uh, you can get paid, but you have to be serious. You have to be professional. This is an obituary, Jack. Okay. Yes, of course. Okay. I, I would be nothing, but I wouldn't make a joke about someone who's just passed on no. with a grieving family. Of course not. So we've got some obituaries our Asian goddess. If you read them, Ooh. you get through them. Uh, you, you take it seriously and, and give it the gravitas that it needs. We're going to get some money, Jack. Yes, finally, turning a profit on this thing. This is great. Oh, get, let's let's do it. I'm sending it to you right now. Okay, great. And then I'll just give it a read. Yeah, and, you give um, it a read. What's up? Yeah, give it a read. No, I'll give it a read, and then I'll I'm going to read it just to myself real quick. And no, then you, I'll, no, no, I'll no, 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 no. You, you got to read it cold. That, uh, you don't know anything about the obituaries business, Jack. I, no, I guess I don't. What? What? Is, why? There's no. There's no pre-reading. You got to get an obituary out there. Get it out. So as soon okay. as you get the obit, please start reading it. Okay, I've I've just opened it and tell me to go. Uh, go. <clears throat> Elizabeth Edwards Bendel, aged 92, passed away surrounded by beautiful flowers and exotic trees, possibly while in the sweaty embrace of one Tucker Nielsen, a.k.a. King Tuck, who police would like to question regarding a recent... <laughs> oh, God. King Tuck, who police would like to question regarding a recent geriatric aside at the Botanical Garden. Geriatricide, Jack. Geatric, thank you. Mm-hmm. On April 16th, 1951, Elizabeth married the love of her life, Curtis Bendel. They were a pillar of love and faithfulness to their family and community for almost 60 years. Friends called the two the dynamic duo. And then after Curtis passed, the dynamic uno. Elizabeth was a loving wife mother, sister, friend, and member of the Spencertown Book Club. She was blessed with the gift of hospitality and always quick to offer a piece of taffy, cigarette, or a swig from her flask to friends and strangers alike. Despite her advanced age, Elizabeth was in peak health. She played pickleball every weekend (laughs) and often took long walks in And oh, my jaw hurts. And often took long walks with her beloved dog, Saddam. <laughs> Elizabeth delighted in turning strangers into friends. Oh, her favorite pastime was striking up a conversation with someone she didn't know. In no time, through the magic of her personality, it was as if they'd known each other for years. Elizabeth's 1998 Oldsmobile station wagon was a familiar sight on the streets of Spencertown. Whenever she saw someone walking, she'd slow down to see if they were okay and ask if they needed a ride. It's that kind of desire to help that resulted in Tucker Nielsen, a.k.a. King Tuck, sitting in the front seat of her car, according to video footage taken from the toll booth security cameras. 
<laughs> on Saturday, Elizabeth and some of King Tuck's DNA <laughs> will be interred at Pine Hill Cemetery in a small ceremony in lieu of flowers. Please find that son of a bitch. Oh, God. She She's a pickleball player, apparently. Pickleball. It's a sport. Yeah. It's a and after pickleball, she takes Saddam for a walk. Uh, yeah. And yeah, but I guess we're not getting paid for that one. You know, it's Sorry. all about respect, gravitas, seriousness. You know, it's somebody's gone, Jack. Somebody's loved one is gone. I know. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I'm, I truly mean no disrespect. I'm, I just, I haven't read this. So it's, it's kind of a surprise to me. Obituaries need to be read cold. That's how you get the, the true spirit of the obituary, Jack. Okay. If that's the rule. If that's what being a professional is, then I want to do that. All right. I'm sending you a second one. Okay. I hope I do better. I'm, I'm, I will do better. Please Forget do. Please make us some moolah. Yes. I'm the master of my body. I can control this. Okay. I'm just uh, clicking refresh. There it is. Obit number two. Mm-hmm. I have just opened it. Uh, tell Am I ready? You please go. Okay. Here we go. Ignacio Martinez, age 33, died unexpectedly on Thursday after a churro magnifico, an 1,800-pound bull he was fighting, placed a horn backed by a tremendous amount of force into and through Ignacio's abdomen multiple times over. Friends and family take comfort in knowing that Ignacio died doing what he loved, which was slowly torturing and killing cows for public spectacle. He loved the pomp, the ornate costumes, the cheering of the crowd, and he absolutely delighted in thrusting a razor-sharp etique into the body of terrified, agitated creatures. This was Ignacio's 37th bullfight, so he was no stranger to the sport, but he was a stranger to a bullhorn penetrating his abdomen, large intestine, small intestine, stomach, spleen, gallbladder, and colon. Although the gasps of the crowd of thousands of unfortunately drowned out Ignacio's last words, one can only imagine there was something like, I caramba, there's a horn in me belly, or some variation of what you might say when your digestive system is violently exposed to sunlight in front of spectators. Bullfighting was Ignacio's one sole passion, and for that reason, he never married or had children that he claimed. But that didn't mean he was ever alone. The ladies of Madrid loved themselves a matador, hence the expression, as happy as a matador. As any of the gossip columns will tell you, Ignacio leaves behind a plethora of ex-lovers, ranging from celebrities like Maria Garcia Oberon to virtual unknowns like lady who sat next to me on the train. (laughs) Ignacio's body will lie in state in the center of Madrid Municipal Arena as soon as we can get Churro Magnifico out of there. (laughs) Okay. By the way, it's humpy as a matador. Humpy as a matador? Yeah, not happy. The Spanish oh. expression. Hence the expression, as humpy as a matador. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You didn't give it the gravitas it needed. Yeah. I, see, fine. that almost feels like one of those traps to, designed to make me laugh. It, it almost feels like I'm set up to fail when an expression, as humpy as a matador, would be placed in an obituary. Jack, it's a Spanish expression. We don't come up with these expressions. These, these cultures okay. create their own expressions. I don't want to insult anyone's culture. I'm sorry. I just sent you uh, another obit. Another chance okay. for us to make some money, Jack. Please okay. be serious. I will. Gravitas. If I read these, oh, gravitas. Sad. Respect. Respect. 
if I could read one ahead of time, I wouldn't, I'd be able to say Humpy as a matador. It's not how you do obituaries. And you, you know Fine, that. here we go. Start. All right, I just got it. <clears throat> Daria Kiki Hemingway died Wednesday at her care facility in Glendale after a brief illness. She was 76. Kiki was an actress and appeared in a 1966 episode of Gilligan's Island, where she played woman in bikini number three. She was very proud of her performance, which involved walking in the background 30 to, four feet, 30 to 40 feet away from Gilligan's Island star Bob Denver. Quote, he was such a wonderful man, Kiki would tell friends and family and anyone else about Bob Denver, despite only sharing a passing glance with him while walking to the set from the makeup trailer. It was on the set that Kiki realized the Hollywood life was for her, and she continued to pursue more roles with incredible amounts of passion and enthusiasm, all to no avail. However, that did not stop her from cherishing her appearance on Gilligan's Island until the very moment Satan stole her breath. Although she would occasionally suggest that she was related to famed novelist Ernest Hemingway, that was not quite as quantifiable as the fact that she did appear in an episode of Gilligan's Island. And so it was to this fact that she clung, making certain all in her presence, including baristas, were well aware. In addition to her passion for appearing in a single episode of Gilligan's Island in 1966, Kiki also enjoyed working in an accountant's office for 30 years, which she did to supplement her income from appearing in a single episode of Gilligan's Island in 1966. I love accounting, she would tell people, but it doesn't compare to show business and working with greats like Bob Denver. Kiki leaves behind three ex-husbands, her cat Skipper <laughs> and her son Gilligan Hemingway, <laughs> who recently changed his name to Bruce after a lifetime of abuse from peers. Kiki will be cremated on Friday and in accordance with her wishes, her ashes will be distributed on Gilligan's Island, which is a soundstage in L.A. <laughs> Just, it would just be nice to get paid once. Okay. Well, I, first of all, my heart goes out to the Hemingway family. Kiki sounds like an awesome, accomplished woman, and, and she's in our thoughts and prayers uh, tonight. All right. Here, here's, here's the next one. You got it. This is a biggie, yeah. Jack. This is a biggie. Fam okay. Famous person. Oh, famous person. Okay. Do, I do us just right. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Michael Collins died in Naples, Florida Wednesday after a battle with cancer. He was 90. Collins was one of the three members of the historic Apollo 11 mission in 1969. While fellow astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong entered the history books as the first humans to set foot on the moon, Collins circled above them in the Lunar Command module. He was not bitter about it. The moon is for pussies, Collins told Time Magazine in 1977. Man on the moon? Who cares? I was there too, way above those jokers. I was doing the heavy lifting while those prima donnas pranced around in moon dust and took selfies. Whatever. I had work to do. I'm not bitter. Buzz is a silly name. Collins seemed nonplussed about being called the forgotten astronaut just because he never set foot on the moon. They can say what they want, Collins told People magazine in 1981. Without me, those losers wouldn't have had anyone to take them home. They'd still be up there, frozen. Try taking one small step for mankind when you're out of oxygen, bucko. Eat a bag of dicks, Neil. Collins spent much of his post-NASA years giving speeches to smaller groups of people who wanted to see an astronaut speak, but who didn't want to pay the speaking fees for an astronaut who had actually walked on the moon. His, speech his speeches centered on the thrill of spaceflight and the joy of circling lunar objects, but not actually ever touching down on them. 
in 19 uh, in a 1997 interview given to people exiting an Atlanta Piggly Wiggly supermarket, Colin said, I just want to tell you, it doesn't bother me a bit that my footprints aren't on the moon. Not a bit. I got to fly around it. I saw the more of the moon than those pricks could ever dream of. One giant leap for dicks. <laughs> Collins' last public appearance was in June 2002, when he told patrons of a Nashville Waffle House that he didn't want to walk on the moon anyway because the radiation makes you gay. <laughs> He's a hero. I, I, I yeah. love He's the man. Third man in, in, at the moon. He's a, at the moon. He's a, he's he's a legend, but uh, you didn't necessarily honor his memory, and I don't think the Collins estate is going to send us a penny. Damn it! There was probably some money there too. I mean, I know it's he's not getting the good speaker fees, but still, it's got to be something. Even a, even like you know, a moon rock, I'd take a moon rock. Sure, something to go to eBay with. Doggone it, man! I'm sorry. I. Sorry, everybody. I I didn't want to disrespect anybody. Next time, Jack. Ne- next time, Brian. That's the uh, end of the episode. Yeah. Review us and all that. I mean, unless you're the Collins family, then you go, go review Andrew Heaton's podcast. Yeah, good stuff. Andrew Heaton's podcast. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Follow the podcast to get every episode. Our website is qmpodcast.com. Our email is contact at qmpodcast.com. 